I'm Aubrey Ann. I'm Andrew. And I'm Jim. And this is Topic Lords, the only place on the internet you can hear topics discussed. Aubrey Ann, would you like to introduce yourself or do you have anything to plug? Yeah, my name's Aubrey Ann. And I would like to plug that's wool socks. Wool socks. If you're not wearing wool socks, or maybe what on are the you house, wearing? Well, at the moment, yeah, exactly. What are you even doing? There's just no point. So wool socks, or or maybe maybe cotton if it's summer. But but wool is the way to go. The thing that I hear about wool is that even if it's soaking wet, it still keeps you warm. It's a magical magical material. It can absorb. What is it like? I'm pulling this number out of nowhere, but it's like 80% of its weight. No, 80, it can, what is it? It can know. absorb three times its weight in water before it even feels wet or something like that. Mm. It's that amazing. Is, that yeah. is, yeah. It has like antimicrobial, antimicrobial properties. And yeah, it's very good. Thanks, sheep. Thank you, sheep. Sheep. Sheep know how to. I, they don't actually know much, but <laughs> I mean, I, they do I it mean, anyway I, somehow. I don't know how to grow that kind of material. And yet I, I can see know. some sticking out of your head right now. I know, but it's, it doesn't have the same properties. It's not no. nearly as cool. As it, the it, it's actually stuff. a lot stretchier when Version. wet than wool, I think, which makes it less useful. Right. I think they talked about that on Mythbusters, trying to make a yeah, a that. rope out of human hair is actually really <laughs> problematic because it, it stretches too much. <laughs> uh, and Andrew, would you like to introduce yourself or do you have anything to plug? Sure. I'm Andrew and I'm sitting right next to Aubrey Ann and she's uh, knitting because she knits like all the time. I just feel like I should say that because it just provides context. What are you working on today? Under the category of projects I don't have to look at. So it's just straight stockinette stitch. I'm making a wrap skirt because I made a wrap skirt and it was a big success. And I'm making another one because my butt gets cold. <laughs> so I want to wrap again, swaddling myself with wool from head to toe. It's a lifestyle. <laughs> Very so. good. And I would like to plug Columbo seasons one through seven on Blu-ray that just came out. And I ju it just arrived in the mail today. Is there just one Columbo? Is there just, I assumed, I always assumed this was like a Doctor Who where there's thousands of them. Uh, uh, as far as I know, there's only one. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, that would wild. be strange. Yeah, I think I Columbo is uh, Peter, Peter Falk. Falk. Yeah. Like I, don't, I don't think someone else is allowed to play Columbo. I think he would like get arrested or something. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, uh, <laughs> or canceled. Yeah. He would just get canceled. <laughs> uh, are you ready to start on some topics? Yeah. Brian, your topic is knitting patterns are open source clothing. Okay. So one of my hobbies, I guess, is just to sort of take a metaphor and stretch it until it breaks. So I would really like your input as some as someone myself who doesn't know anything about software or programming, but who well, who doesn't have any first hand knowledge. I have a lot of knowledge and experience at sort of rubber ducking through a lot of things. But um For me. Yeah, I'll be the I'm the rubber duck in this relationship. So I provide a service. Okay, which one of you is the programmer? Which one of you is the rubber duck? <laughs> I was, I'm being very unclear. She's the rubber duck. I'm the rubber no, duck. No, no, I'm following you. Yeah. So then I don't know anything about this. So I need your help with that half of the metaphor. But knitting patterns are a written out set of instructions that you can compile yourself stitch by stitch into a garment, into a, a predefined outcome. And if you take that tack, you will end up with theoretically the same object at the end as the person who designed it and wrote it down, put the pattern out there for you to follow. So right. you can compile it yourself or you can like open source software, you can also customize it and make your own, make your own version, put your own spin on it, do your own thing. Now, 
That's that's as far as I've kind of carried it. But it's like a three D printer. It's like a three D a human three D. <laughs> like how they say that they used to call like women computers. It's like the same thing, but for three D printers. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. I guess there's also a question though in my mind of like what what qualifies as a knitting pattern because it's like is it just like somebody wrote down the series of steps and then you followed it exactly or you you took inspiration from it or something or if I just make something up and don't write it down like is it still like a program in that sense that was the dryer the clothes are dry <laughs> good news so there's kind of a, a split, I think, in people who knit between people who are just like straight up compilers who just like to follow the instructions and like even buy the exact yarn indicated on the pattern and people who like are more like devs who just kind of create the things themselves that they want to exist in the world. Right. W without it being like contributing to any sort of knowledge base that other people can can access um, and that's, that's not really my style. And I tend to be sort of judgy of that because it kind of gets into like a consumerist kind of thing, which is an interesting intersection with open source. Cause it's open source is not as consume consumeristic, mm -hmm. but if you're just like buying the pattern and buying the yarn often from the same person, and then just like following the instructions, like it feels like a very different relationship to, I guess, the art form or the craft than if you are sort of making it up and working with what you have and being sort of improvisational and creative with it. So yeah. are you, I, I don't like to be a compiler style of knitter. I like to be a, a dev style creator. Sure. But there's more than one valid way to do things. And that's, I, I don't want to take anything away. There's also like people who want different things out of it. Like right. you were saying, you have a, um, right now you're doing a project that you don't have to look at. It's probably also a project you don't have to think about. Mm -hmm. I bet there are a lot of people who want, that's all they ever want from knitting. Yeah. They just want like, I want my hands to be busy while I sit here and watch TV or whatever. Totally. And I get that too, because, you know, I, I use knitting as a, a stim and a fidget like constantly. So I got to have it in my hands. Okay. I want to, I want to camp out on this for a second. Mm -hmm. You said stim and fidget. I thought, I think of these as being the same thing. Yeah. Are you making a distinction? I am not making a distinction because I am both ADHD and autistic. So I think I don't know how to pull those things apart. <laughs> I feel like they're the same thing. Yeah. Except that autistic people stim and regular people fidget. Right. Well, or autistic or ADHD people fidget. <laughs> oh, I, th I thought I thought I thought everybody fidgeted. Well, everybody can fidget. I guess everybody everybody fidget. can fidget. Well, and that's I think I think. But nobody yeah. does it like an ADHD. <laughs> <laughs> I think that I think that uh, people would say that everyone stims too, you know, to some extent. We all need that sort of biofeedback, right? But this one is the best, just because at the end you you have an object, and I can't just like play with a little cube or spin a little wheel. It doesn't yeah. it doesn't scratch an itch because it's not doing anything. Yeah, yeah, I've got that same sort of. This is a problem that I have. I mean, this is one of the reasons that I'm recording this is that I can't just have a conversation with friends. <laughs> I need to be making content. Mm -hmm. Right. I need to be producing something that I put into the world for my audience. 
Mm-hmm. And of course, that's not true. I have conversations with friends all the time. Uh, I'm going to, at some point, I'm going to hit stop on this recording. I'm probably going to keep talking. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's, how, <laughs> that's what happens. But I totally get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It reminds me of a, a friend I had in college who said, like, he didn't know how to, like, how to end our conversation if we weren't in, like, a, a D&D group where he's like, okay, when's our next session? Right. And, like, he didn't know, like, how to arrange the next hangout in a different context. Yeah. Yeah, well, you just ask that like this is every night before bed. I say, uh, thanks so much for being on to my wife. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, you got to have a little sign off to end the day. (laughs) You're doing this and you're producing something at the end of the day that you can put on your body. Yes. And then you're showing showing people (laughs) (laughs) the, the depths of your... Of your fidgeting stimming. Yes. Like the complexity of it. It's right. like, I don't know. Yeah. It's pretty cool how you turn it. Into yeah. Something. No, it's, it's a, a form of fidgeting where you're like, you're performing femininity. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, That's important. And, and, you're, and you're helping out your friends and family. That's right. Or, or yourself. Yeah. Or, yeah. Or half the time she just gives this stuff away and makes a hat for somebody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool. Yeah. It serves a bunch of purposes. Yeah. <clears throat> so it's, it's uh Ticking a lot of boxes for me. And then it's like when I when I kind of identified that it's sort of a stim or whatever we landed on for that, it was kind (laughs) of like, oh, well, that was my whole personality. So, uh, okay, I guess I guess it was all just a coping mechanism all along. (laughs) Great. You started to touch on the thing with the um, like different approaches to it where because you are like all self-taught. Right. You're not like so you have a little bit of an outsider perspective and then you realized years later that there's like a culture that exists of people yeah. like like ravelry and stuff like that that you're not you don't really feel a part of <clears throat> you're right. just super good and you can like make really impressive shit right well like-, like i literally just kind of sat down and trial and errored my way into being really good at it and i mostly just learned from like books but also i think this was 10 10 years ago there wasn't as much of like online content in like <laughs> right. 2010 or 2009 or whenever it would have been. So there wasn't as much of like a huge like yarn tube or whatever the fuck is going on there. I don't know. And now I'm just too judgy because yeah, yeah, they have nothing to teach me. That's the drawback. And they're all like very happy if people notice that they're wearing something handmade. I'm like, no, you got to stealth it. It's got to be like, you don't want them to know. It's got to be good enough that they don't know. I see. You you only want, well, okay. It'd be the people people with the sharpest eyes. Exactly. Or or it's like, why are you wearing something so absurd? Why are you wearing a a lilac crocheted skirt? Like that's not an object that exists I don't know how to that shirt that. that you made. That's like a bunch of doilies connected, basically. Granny, it's, no, granny's. Yeah, you call it granny a sweater. Squ- that's like it's, a bunch of granny. Squ- it's yeah. ridiculous, but Mexicans. it's like looks like super high fashion. Also, at the yeah, same time. it either looks like a hobo or like someone would pay five hundred dollars for it. Yeah, yeah, and nothing in between. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, hopefully, we bridge the gap and we end up on the side where we look like a deranged rich person instead of a deranged poor person. <laughs> Right, right. The kind that that doesn't get you arrested. Yeah. Crochet crochet is tricky that way. Because it's all holes. It's just made of holes. Right. So you look like a grandma, but like a really slutty grandma. <laughs> so it's a fine line. Knitting's easier to pull off, even though it's also all holes. When you started this topic, there was something you said that made me think that where you were going with this 
was you wanted to figure out how to make the metaphor, how to extend the open yeah. source software metaphor. We can go back to that. Oh, right. And so like for a while, that was all my head was just going to like, okay, well, you would need to pull in a hundred megabytes of new patterns from NPM. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, no. follow them all to make this one enormous like sweater <laughs> that fits a thousand different people at Stitch once. Stitch them all together. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. I guess people could do that. There's no reason you couldn't. It's like, not, it's not necessarily free and open source, although there are free patterns out there. Yeah. I mean, well, it, it's okay. Here's the thing. Can you like look at someone's scarf and just immediately know how they did it? She has done this. So sometimes, yes. So you this blurt is, out a reg X is... pattern. That's <laughs> well, this is the other thing. So it's like, I, there are a lot of clothing items that you can look at and sort of reverse engineer just by looking at them. Like you can literally just count how many stitches right. something is, you know, it's right, not, right. it's, it's like, you can see the binary basically. It's not like obscured in any way. Yeah. You had made a, a tweet. This was years ago that stuck with me though. It was something along the lines of someone had asked you, like, did you make that about something you were wearing? Mm -hmm. uh, like, where can I get the pattern? And, and you had said, like, you basically said like 12 letters at them. Yeah. <laughs> and and then ran off. Yeah, I remember this. And, and on the drive home, you realized, oh, you meant the pattern on Ravelry that you right. could buy. That like has a name like Autumn Leaves or I don't know. It's like, no, this is just a tube. It's a tube. Figure it out. It's not hard. I feel the same way about like baking. That's what, okay. So what when I say 12 letters, I had assumed that was like it, the, the pattern was encoded into these letters. Oh, it was like all the information was there. It was like slip two with yarn in front and knit two and then do that around in a tube and then just okay. like make sure it's offset and then you'll get the, it'll, it'll turn out like that. Okay. Just yeah. Make it as wide as you want it to be, I guess. So I don't know. It was, I had a similar experience because I was just kind of looking at pictures of cool things people had made. And I was like, oh, that's neat. It was like, I don't know, some random link that I clicked on and it was some Pinterest link to something. And then the, all the comments were like, oh, do you have a pattern? I'm like, what are you talking about? This is a bunch of squares. You can see how many squares there are. Like, it's fine. Like, figure it out. Come on. <laughs> yeah. I would definitely be asking someone else for help. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's, you know, I, I have to stay humble. I have to remember that I've, I've been doing this a while. I followed patterns. I followed them really badly. And then I figured out what I was doing wrong by doing it badly. It's, yeah. it's the, uh, the yeah, Adventure that's... Time quote that that carries me through my life is the, the sucking at something is the first step towards being kind of good at something. Right. Yeah. That's uh, inspiring to me. Yeah. Figure it out. Just figure it out. Just do it badly until <laughs> you figure out how to do it better. Are we ready for another topic? Sure. Yeah. We should move on. <laughs> uh, Andrew, your topic is this one weird trick will make your video game feel original. This is actually a stealth topic brought up by Jim. Yes, I, I had asked for this one. <laughs> yes. I thought you were going to say it's a stealth plug for all my, of your video games. Oh, it is a stealth plug for all my video games, maybe. Uh, <laughs> but but on but on my behalf. Like, yes, yes. Uh, I just have to say that it was Jim that brought it up. <laughs> so modest. So someone interviewed me in regards to Pico 8 stuff at some point. Um, I think it was for some kind of university thing. I can't remember what it was for. But like they independently like brought this up. Like, I don't know how, why you brought it up, Jim, but I just think that that fact that people bring it up without me even saying anything is interesting in and of itself. Well, I, I saw you talk about it or mention it somewhere. Okay. You saw me mention it somewhere. Yeah. But it's just kind of interesting that when you do this one weird trick, <laughs> 
people know it's like noticeable. And, and the one weird trick I would say is that you that you don't put like enemies in a game that normally has enemies in it. Uh, like in a in a mechanic, I don't know. It's really hard to it's really hard to formulate into like a really bite sized thing. But like basically, it all started with I think for me personally, it started when I was playing Fez in like 2012. Yeah, and and then I was like, this game is so cool. So I was like reading interviews about it, and then like Phil Fish said that he was like on purpose trying to make trying to make a game that was fun without relying on like crutches of like enemies and like health bars and stuff like that. And I was like, whoa, that's a really cool idea. Like, and so I basically just started trying to make games like that. Like I was in the middle of making a game that was like a roguelike type of thing. And I eventually stopped that. And then I eventually started making, it's a different kind of game. And like, you could say that it's just like, okay, don't put combat or enemies in it. But I think it's more complicated than that because I think it's maybe you could say that it redefines the game. The game doesn't necessarily have to be a challenge it's not about being a challenge it's about being fun or being interesting yeah kind of more like the reason why you watch a movie or read a book or something it's not like because it's difficult or something it's because it's really interesting and fun this is something that um ai dungeon which was like what like four years ago now yeah really kind of hit drove home for me is that i'm much more interested in games as like a, a a collaborative story between the designer and the player yeah. And I am in the adversarial kind of design. Right. And it feels like that like that is just a vestige from arcade games. Like cuz in arcade games it makes sense you want people to like lose after a while and then they have to put in more money. Yeah. Right? I mean so nowadays the the reason that you want something oppositional is pacing. Right. You don't want people to finish it too. And that's all that's also a commercial concern. That's also yeah, like yeah. People don't usually care if your free game is only is only half an hour right, long. Right, right. People people will complain if the game is not forty hours or whatever right. that they paid for. Yeah, and you can't slow them down without it getting boring. <laughs> well, like one of the ways to do it is with puzzle design, but that takes a bunch of like it's bespoke hard. work on yeah. the part of the designer per puzzle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this was what and when you brought up Fez, I feel like that's a. A great example. Like what we were saying here is like, instead of doing the thing that's obvious and easy, do something that's hard. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What is your one weird That's another thing that I've noticed. It's like, oh, it's actually a lot harder to make games when you do this. this. And this is one of the reasons I think Fez took, what, like eight years to make or something? Only five. Only five years. Okay. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I think it was five. And is is that they, those people were trying to do something and I feel like they succeeded at something genuinely yeah. new and interesting. And I feel like uh, your best work is like this too, where like it's it's exploring a new space, right? Yeah, yeah. At first, when when you when you brought up, or rather, when I read the the no enemies thing, I had, I had gotten the impression, and this might still be the case, that it was kind of almost a moral stance, where like it definitely it, enters into it a little bit, yeah, where it's kind of distasteful. To me, like all of the you know, like the fighting violence that is in games is kind of like obviously there are some there are some like I love the I love the Insomniac Spider Man games uh-huh. <laughs> for some reason but like those are that's like a huge exception for me like most of the time it's like super annoying and kind of just like the disagreement the disaccord between you and everyone in the game or whatever I don't know I don't like the word, that the kind word of is fe- conflict conflict yeah 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 conflict. <laughs> Conflict. Thank you. Yes. Uh, <laughs> like you might see some some game that's like really fun looking, and then like still it's like well, you gotta jump on the enemies' heads. Why? Well, because we couldn't think of anything else to do in the world. They're kind of is kind of what it feels like. Kind of like yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, well, it, yeah. <laughs> it is. It is a default, and it's a default. It, that's partly self self perpetuating. Yeah, yeah. Because we have gotten as a culture like incredibly good at making that specific kind of thing fun. Yeah. And trying to make something that is not that fun is much harder. Right. Because we don't have like we don't have fifty years of experience to draw from of like prior art. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's and it, I think like uh, I don't know like the idea of like shooting a gun for instance in like Call of Duty or whatever. I really never play first person shooters. I don't like them, but I understand the 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 kind of satisfaction that you can get in that kind of thing. Where like I don't know like aiming and shooting a gun for some. There's maybe something. There's a, there's an inherent aggression in humans. I would say like in terms of our history as a species, like we had to be. Yeah. I agree. Aggressive with that. to a certain extent, right? Like we had to be. So it's not like there's it's fun to play war. Yeah. Like yeah. This has been true throughout <laughs> history. Yes. It's part of who it's definitely part of who we are as humans is violent in a in part, but like also it's less relevant. I don't know, maybe in, in today's uh culture where there's but we're still homo sapiens and it's still gonna be fun yeah. to play war. Yeah, it's true. It's true. It's still gonna be inherently fun. This is something that I'm kind of frustrated by. Like I I do feel like, like, so my stance is that, and this wasn't always the case. Like if you go back to even as recently as Glitterbitten Grove, that game has sword play in it. Uh, but my stance is that I don't put, I, I, I try very hard not to put combat, violent combat in games. Uh-huh. And if you, I don't know, did you play Gordy and the Monster Moon? Yeah, almost all the way through. That game has, like, I didn't even think about it uh, this way at first, but that definitely arguably has combat in it. Definitely arguably. Right, because um, you're... Because you're like avoiding enemies, right? You're avoiding you're enemies, and you're 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 webbing them. So you're webbing move. them, and like that was that was kind of the best thing I could think of for that kind of game, mm-hmm. which I think of as like that's a failing on my part. Like I feel like I should have been able to come up with something truly nonviolent, truly like. Right. But it would be even harder to not have enemies in there at all. Right. Yeah. It's like to as a as a even just as a something to do with your hands while you play the yeah, game. Yeah. Exactly. You know. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a real challenge. It's very difficult. For sure. Part of me is like, oh, kids are going to fucking want to shoot things. Even if we <laughs> success, even if I, in my like low key campaign to remove all guns and swords from video games, even if I, even if I succeed, kids are still going to want to shoot things. Yeah. It's a truism that, you know, even if you don't provide your kids with any toy guns, especially little boys, they'll pick up a stick and make it a gun. They'll build a gun out of Legos. Like they'll, they'll find a way. It happens. I don't, I don't have any explanation (laughs) for it, but it happens. Well, here's the thing is like kids, especially like, especially as they get older, they learn from people that are not you. Mm -hmm. That's true. That's true. That's probably a big part of it. But yeah, like, I feel like this is, I feel like my best work has been where I'm just, I've, I've got something on the screen and you can do some, you can move it around and uh, I'm not trying to make any kind of genre. I guess like, like um, playing into genre itself can be, uh, can doom you to like do make the same <laughs> decisions that the genre normally makes. But like yeah. when you try to just like experiment with uh, what can you do with this like bowling ball that's rolling around, for instance, <laughs> um, right. like, and then you find something that's fun and you're like, okay, well, let's kind of make a game based around that um, rather than going the other way around. And so it's just like, rather than saying, I'm going to make a, I'm going to make a top down 
arcade game, you know, or like um, instead just like starting with really basic um, kind of like aesthetics or or just little sprites like uh, mechanics. Me- yeah, me- mechanic, individual mechanics and kind of maybe piecing them together. That's also kind of worked sometimes for me. Where I was like, like, oh, I had this idea for this mechanic in this other project. It would actually work here better. And like and then I incorporate that into a, a thing and I just like smash a bunch of things together until <laughs> something fun <laughs> seems to come out. And it's like, oh, I don't know how to describe this game, but but it seems to be pretty fun and it's pretty short and it's definitely not commercially viable at all, but I think it's pretty cool. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So I, I played uh, recently, I played Pizza Panda, which is, I'm not even sure how you describe it. It's kind of a puzzle platformer, right. <laughs> kind of what you're getting at. It's not yeah, really it's hard in to, a genre, yeah. but it, it has the feel of like circa 1983 arcade game. Right. Yeah. Where you are, that. you're, it's a, it's side view in a, like a red coupe. <laughs> driving around collecting slices of pizza, but you're also collecting hats and mice. And these things interact with people or animals rather that are hanging out the windows of buildings <laughs> in ways that are not clear at first. Right. Um, and a lot of the game is figuring out like what, like there's what pictures, there's like Polaroids in the top left corner of yeah. the screen that are ostensibly like, this is the puzzle you're trying to solve. <laughs> what are these Polaroids asking me to do? <laughs> And how do I do right. them with, like, I have three hats and I can use them to scoop up a mouse. It sounds silly when you put it that way. <laughs> yeah, this is a very serious game, actually. This puzzle is part of the fun, like figuring out how do you even play this game. But it's also, depending on what you want out of a video game, is also a barrier. Right, because, yeah. Because you're not falling into a genre. Yeah. The player has to, like, learn how to how to even think about like, it's not, yeah, they don't, they don't not, know what to think of they're it. They're not jumping over pits. This isn't a game where you jump over pits. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not a game where you hit people with swords. So what, what, what the hell even is it? <laughs> yeah. Those yeah, are the two is, kinds of games. Yeah. Right. Well, there's the kind where you drop blocks into a pit uh-huh. <laughs> and there's the kind where you date anime ladies, ladies by clicking through text. <laughs> Yep. And I think that's, that's all the genres. End of list. Right. Yep. But no, yeah, I think it's 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 always really interesting seeing people play it. Because, um, yeah, I in purpose don't tell you anything. And I try to make it clear enough and consistent enough that you can definitely figure it out. You just have to. Because it is part of the fun and it's even part of what makes the game interesting maybe um i mean i prefer that in general in games like even even normal games where they where you just kind of how it works as it goes along yeah if you but um i guess it is it can be like you're saying it can be deceiving where people see it and it might look like a certain kind of game and they expect it to behave that way and it doesn't that wasn't what i was getting at okay it but that that juxtaposition is interesting to me um but i feel like if the game didn't look like anything familiar as well as not playing like anything familiar, it would be completely palatable. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Well, one of the things that people say when they like recommend your games is often like sort of asterisked with like, just push through, like it, like you won't know what's going on, but don't, don't give up. You know, there's, that's a very common sort of caveat among recommendation recommenders of kitten master soft products. Yeah. and, And mine too. Which might right, might be, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Same might type be of why thing. we're having this conversation. You're no yeah. stranger to these kinds of experiences <laughs> with the players. I think. <laughs> so I I did have a thought about having enemies in your game. By necessity, your enemies all have to look the same. Which so that they're very easily readable and you know how to interact with them, right? Like quickly, so you can make decisions and yeah, they're, they're the brown ones. 
Right. (laughs) The brown ones. So that kind of does two things. For one thing, it makes it scale up. Like you can have a lot more sort of characters in your game if half of them look the same. And, you know, maybe there's like, oh, that one is like got a got a different hat. So he's got more HP. But that's all like it's it's gameplay information. It's not like character design per se. So that makes it easier to scale up. But it also kind of flattens the world where it's like, oh, it just so happens that that uh, everyone who works at this establishment, everyone who works in this castle happens to have the same haircut and walk the same way and respond the same way to everything because they're not characters. They're just mechanics. Right. Which kind of makes it a little bit less of an interesting world in my opinion, but there's, there's reasons for it. Yeah. 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 Well, one of the, one of the reasons being it's exhausting to write dialogue for all those characters. Right. And if you did, right. then you might not want to kill them. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> and you're playing a different kind of game. Now you're playing a dating sim again. We've looped yeah. back around to the sexy anime girl games. And now you're a different genre. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember playing, this was like, I don't know, around 2000. I played, some, I think it was Return to Castle Wolfenstein. And it's, a, you know, it's a, it's a game where you shoot Nazis. And uh-huh. of all the, all the people you can shoot, it's maybe the most justifiable. Right, right, right. We'll walk into a room everybody's facing away from you. And one of them is like complaining about like, it was something, something relatable. I don't remember what it was. It was this person, like they're having a relatable conversation and I'm like, okay, you fucking make me feel for these guys. Now I have to shoot them. Right. Like, what? what are you trying to do? Right. It doesn't sound like the old Wolfenstein. <laughs> no, no, no. It was much more. They, they weren't saying Achtung and Mein Leben. <laughs> Uh, like, yeah, I, that's... I want to go home to my family. My little boy is probably walking now. Yeah, <laughs> like, and I don't, I don't think the intent was to like make you conflicted about shooting Nazis. Right. I don't know what the intent was. World building. World building. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah, <laughs> but also there's definitely a, a, a history of like the writers of video games being the only ones who are like, this is kind of fucked up that we're making a game about this. They're thinking about it for a lot longer than anyone else. Right. And so like everything else in the game is like, yeah, it's fucking cool to shoot people in the face and the writer, (laughs) but the dialogue is like, you know, this is kind of fucked up if you think about it. (laughs) Yep. Something you said made me think of um, adventure games. Like, uh, I don't know what I'm going to say. Maybe this is off topic, but when you try to think of a, of a game that doesn't revolve around violence, like you think of like sports games, it's like, well, that's, it's just that a, doesn't that's count. That's just a metaphor for That violence. doesn't count. Like, <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of like a different category. Or you think of like straight puzzle games, like a Tetris or whatever, right? Right. Well, the, the, the games that keep coming up that like, that I keep seeing when people, people talk about games that are like friendly and non-confrontational and about like, things other than violence are um, games that are very text heavy. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. These, mm-hmm. these are games where like you are, uh, you're a little dude running around solving people's problems, which involves like talking to them for a long time. Yes. Know? Like Bouncy's Winter Solstice. What is it called? Yeah, Bouncy, Bouncy's Winter Solstice Ride. Yes. Yeah, well, and I'm certainly like, I, I, this is very much a situation of me. I try to mitigate this as much as I can by being the best version of it I can be, but I definitely don't want to play the text heavy kind of games that I tend tend to make. Mm. That's really just a a situation of like, uh, I'm good at writing dialogue trees and I like writing dialogue trees. And so I, that's how I deliver story, but I don't tend to want to play those games. And in part it's because they're just badly done. Yeah. Like I I will. um, Well, first of all, I try to like make it very dense with jokes 
so mm-hmm. that it's it's entertaining and not just, you know, text. Read this wall of text, yeah. Are we having fun yet? Is it a game yet? <laughs> but also um, getting to the point as quickly as possible. Yeah. A lot of text-driven games are very bad at. Right. I think actually, speaking of remembering people's tweets, <laughs> I think I remember you tweeting something like, um, um, something about games having too much text or whatever, or like maybe the game should just have no text in it or something like that. And, <laughs> and um, that I have, that has stuck with me where I was just like, yeah, I mean, a lot of games don't actually need text. Uh, yeah. Unless they're like an adventure game or something where it's like all about the story. Yeah. I mean, so, so, the reason that I don't I don't do that is that that requires a lot more art and animation work. That's true. Yeah, exactly. Which is what I am one of the skills that I am not good at. Yeah, same. but I, I I definitely think it's it's possible to do. Um, I'm trying to think of what 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 tweet that might have been. I can't remember. It might have been the one about the rule of thirds. I it was such a long time ago. I really I only remember kind of the idea in, contained in contained in what you took away from it. Yeah, at least. what I can't what I took away from it. Yeah, the rule of thirds is that your NPCs should talk about as third as often as they do, and they should each time they should say about as third as many words as they do. That's very good. Very good. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I yeah definitely agree. Unless it's something like a I don't know like a Psychonauts or something where it's like. The all of the story in that is just like yeah all, all gold, and I'm just like this is great writing. It's like voice acted, and and I just like it's it's incredibly entertaining. And somehow that that game also has like a whole other like a more traditional combat platforming element, but also manages to be like a really cool story. I don't know. Well, so I think it's worth pointing out that the combat is by far the worst part of that's that true. Series. That's true. It is by far the worst yeah. part. <laughs> That's the consensus. Um, yeah. And of course, everything goes out the window if something is really good. Right. Yeah. yeah. You can do exactly. anything if, and make it good if you make it really good. And it's yeah. not like the, the genre will preclude you from doing a good job right. of something just because it's in that genre. Yeah. You can execute something really well. You can execute something bad really well and end up with something good somehow. It's like... Uh, Wait, what? I'm confused. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, uh, I remember like my cello teacher would like take my cello and like demonstrate something. I'm like this like crappy terrible school cello that was like really bad okay. but it sounded much better when he played it and right it's like just do it like that I'm yeah like, okay and then you have a bad cellist playing mm. a bad cello and it sounds terrible did you ever get to play his cello uh yeah it sounded it... it sounded better than mine but it still okay. didn't sound yeah. very good yeah you know and, until i was older but right yeah until you were actually good at it until yeah. i got good ish right yeah, it's uh, it's tricky that way. Mm-hmm. It's almost like there's no one weird trick to make things. <laughs> <laughs> mm. oh, I'm sorry, this was like a the whole premise of topic. I made you click on this topic. This is good. Well, I asked you to put it in there. I had to figure out that's the one I asked you to put in there. Yes, that was the one. <laughs> Are we ready for another topic? Yes. Yeah. Uh, my topic is: I noticed myself using insert. It turns out I use insert. This was a few episodes ago. I was t- I, w- I was saying that I was complaining that insert is like it's a trap key that no one ever needs or uses. <laughs> right. Right. Yep. And that it it exists solely to confuse people because they don't understand why they're overwriting text instead of adding new text. Yep. But it turns out what so what happened was I was editing a program. Okay. And there were like eight single letter variable names that I needed to change, and so I pushed insert. And then I changed them all and then I pushed insert again. And that way I didn't have to hit delete after each key press to, yeah. 
And then I realized what had happened. <laughs> then I realized that like, oh my God, I use this key. <laughs> I did it on purpose. Yes. Wow. So like in trackers, insert will often like do something like, oh, it'll, it'll push down the notes in the current column below the cursor or like scroll lock will like pin the, um, the playback or the, the, the edit cursor to where the playback cursor is, you know, like the, these keys, because these are really old programs, they yeah. use all the keys on the keyboard and not always in the ways that are like they were, they were intended to. <laughs> so like, of course, using insert like that doesn't count, but no, it turns out I actually used insert as intended. Right, as intended. This is just part of my repertoire. Wow. <laughs> you really threw me for a loop, and I don't know what to think. You look like you're having a little bit of an identity crisis over this. I don't think I've ever intentionally used insert. I think I've only ever been trapped. You're going to find out in the next week, like, oh, oh, shit. Yeah, now that I've said it. Well, the the thing is, is you hardly ever use a desktop computer. You That's true. Oh, on, yeah. On a phone, and it's way different, yeah. Yeah, thanks for outing me as being like... When you talk about insert, it brings me back to like the being in like the DOS um, text editor program that's like a blue background. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Or like QBasic. Yeah. I used a bunch of QBasic back in the day. I remember using insert there. Like, I don't know. It just made sense there. Or well, also, that, I think that, that was one the, used um, shift insert to paste. Right. It, was, it wasn't control C and control V. It was shift insert and shift. Well, I don't remember else. shift delete was cut. I don't know how you yeah. copied. It was it was it was different keys, so yeah. But then also, in fact, I think the way I copied was just shift delete shift insert. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> or like maybe a maybe a word processor situation where I'm like typing an essay, like. But that hasn't happened in a long time either. Like I don't, yeah, I don't think I've used it recently. Uh, I mean, this this keyboard that I have is like to get to insert, you have to hold down function. And push, what is it? You push delete. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, so it's like, I guess it is a form of delete. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, if you don't have like the full classical keyboard, it's like harder to push some of these little used keys anymore. I but. just tested it, and Pico 8 does not support insert. Oh, oh. it doesn't? Nope. That breaks oh. the immersion. Yeah. I want yeah. it to feel just like Cubase. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, that that is another thing where like I'm using a well, I'm using a Microsoft Natural keyboard, but it uses the full mm. Model M layout with the inverted yeah. T arrow keys. Beautiful. Yeah. Uh, which is what I'm comfortable with. Right. And if I'm still going to be using you know Schism Tracker or whatever, it needs that full layout or it's going to yeah, be miserable. Yeah. But yeah, like I I can I could do programming on a laptop keyboard with an extremely minimal like extremely like cut down layout. It probably doesn't even have like home end or page up or page down. It's got to have that delete key though. That one's kind of a story. <laughs> yeah. I think I might've figured out why I don't, why I haven't used it in a long time. It's because I, at one point switched to using Vim for everything. Oh, <laughs> And so sure. it's like, oh, okay. So with Vim, I'm basically doing most of the stuff with the, with just the letters, the letter keys. Um, doesn't Vim have like a, uh, have separate text entry modes, one of which is like insert? Y yeah. The, well, you can, it doesn't have it exactly like I mean unless I it doesn't I just don't use it sometimes that happens where that's fair yeah I just don't know but like there's definitely like a like R replacing um replacing text that uh is there like without having to delete it for like there's not two distinct steps like delete it and then put in a replacement it's still like it's the the same idea of like I want to type a new thing right away yeah and have it replace the the old thing like maybe. If at some point I, I kind of switched habits and I just, now I don't like in, in a way I don't, 
I don't need as big of a keyboard because of the fact that the the letter keys are then reused modally to be the doing manipulation to text keys when you're not typing. And so, but I bet you I would be using insert all the time if it was like, if it was, uh, if I wasn't using the Vim key bindings, I would have to use like more of the keys of the keyboard and like, yeah. And I have to support you. I have no choice but to support, support your, your. But it's like, what do you do about those old keys that like hardly anybody uses? There's still the, the enough weird people like programmers and people that use trackers and stuff that they have to, they have to exist. Yeah. Right. So it's, yeah. Yeah. They're just like, we're just stuck with them being there forever. Is that. Does, does pause break even still work? <laughs> I don't know how you would know. I don't, because uh, I don't I think you'd have to boot up a different OS to even uh, see if it did anything. <laughs> well, I mean, I have seen laptops that just are like, you know what? Fuck all these keys. We're putting like a pause button for your media player and like an right. email button that you can have. Like You don't get F yeah. keys anymore. Well, then this, this keyboard has that. It has like the, it has the favorites key. Oh yeah. Which is, it has a calculator key. Calculator I'm gonna, key. I'm going to push that and see what happens. <laughs> yeah, Let's just start pushing calculator? buttons. It's oh, it actually happens. worked. It brings yeah. up a calculator. Shocking. <laughs> Excellent. Wow. I did not expect that. I doesn't have the LinkedIn key, unfortunately. Oh. <laughs> or the, uh, uh, the pizza button yeah. to order pizza. <laughs> we watched a video about a, a computer that had a pizza button <laughs> to, and it just was supposed to open up like a browser window. Or, I mean, it was like a really weird little computer that was mostly just to call the phone or number or something. I don't know. I don't, get, get your grandma online or something. Right. I was hoping, I was really hoping it would be like, it opens the CD-ROM drive and there it is. <laughs> and there's the pizza. It like turns on an easy bake oven. Personal pan yeah. pizza. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, this might be the first time I've actually looked at this keyboard. It has all the function <laughs> keys, but only under the function lock button. Yeah, that doesn't count. Be because. Disqualified. <laughs> but like all the key, like F2, if, it, if you don't have function lock on, it means undo. Whoa, a dedicated undo button? I guess. I don't think like I've ever heard of that. F10 is you cast a spell. <laughs> what? <laughs> it says spell. <laughs> like it doesn't say spell check. Nope, just spell. Just oh, wow. That's even better than the pizza. I mean, you could do anything. Possibilities are limitless. Including pizza. There's also- Including a, pizza. Right. F, F12, if you don't have function lock on, is print. There's already a print screen button. Like, what, what else would that be for? <laughs> what if you want to print something that's not the screen? Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> there should- Yeah, okay. We need an extra um, alt key that's just subtracting the word screen from whatever is on the key. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> this is a great idea. Triple the functionality of your keyboard. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> All of this is from a time before I was on computers because I was I was born in the WYSIWYG. I was born in the GUI. I don't know anything, but everything's already on the screen. If you want a, something, it's probably in a menu bar at the top. This is true, unless you're in Vim. I, I told you, I'm, I am a baby who knows nothing. I'm a baby who grew up uh, playing SimCity on like Windows 95 and calling my dad over to type the code in <laughs> Give you to, more money. to cheat and give me more money. Like this is the, because this is what a baby I am. Yeah, of course. <laughs> right. And I didn't even know what the secret code was. And I was oh. just like not understanding because I was like four. Right. This is a pretty advanced four-year-old. Well, I wasn't really doing a very good job. <laughs> okay. But you're still running a whole city. That's true. I was the mayor. 
<laughs> and the mayor did not know how uh, electrical systems worked or plumbing systems. So nobody had any. And then yeah, yeah. the four-year-old got mad because there weren't any buildings I feel coming like into the area. In SimCity, like there's kind of a unified model of power and sewage where like like the phone, water, sewage, and electricity all flows down the exact same pipe. That's problematic. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> it is. It's got to be a two-way pipe at least. Well, let's hope. If it's a one-way pipe, you're really in trouble. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Unless it just kind of goes in parallel to every building. Right. Somehow. Yeah. Seems oh, bad. Like some kind of token ring network. Yeah. Maybe the pipe is rifled so that like it's throw it. I'm going to gesture with my hands here and that won't help the people at home, but it might help you. <laughs> it makes the poop go down the pipe in a spiral around the pipe. And then it's a, it's a staggered spiral for the clean water going the other way. There you go. What? Yeah. So it would be, they would go opposite directions. Right. And yeah. they would alternate going. Yeah. Yeah. I, I see no problem with this. And then you need something to improve the surface tension of the water so they don't like when the parts where they touch, they don't like absorb. Just sort of gelatinize it somehow. Yes. Is this blowing your mind? I think I'm, I'm struggling just, I'm to getting... even comprehend uh, this geometric shape that you're describing. <laughs> I think it's a double helix. <laughs> Why has no one thought of this before? The, the Crick, Crick and oh, the, Watson discovered yeah. this in the fifth. In the, mm, wow. Crick and Watson, the, the world's Science. most famous plumbers. Science really is amazing. <laughs> We got off topic. That was me. I'm sorry. I brought up some city. That was a mistake. Oh, these these things happen. <laughs> this is this is topic lords. Yeah. It's just another topic. That's right. Are we ready for another topic? Sure. Yeah. Do you like my segue there? That was nice. From the word topic to the word topic. Yes, it did it. <laughs> Seamless. Uh for this topic, we're gonna be doing the poem Shell Silverstein, The Garden. Is that is that right? Yeah. The, the Garden, Garden by Sel Shell Silverstein. Who would like to read this poem? I'll read it. You'll read it. Sounds good. <laughs> okay. Old man Simon planted a diamond, grew itself a garden the likes of none. Sprouts all growing, coming up glowing, fruit of jewels all shining in the sun. Colors of the rainbow, see the sun and rain grow. Sapphires and rubies on ivory vines. Grapes of jade just ripening in the shade, just ready for the squeezing into green jade wine. Pure gold corn there blowing in the warm air. Old crow nibbling on the am am amethyst. Am Wait, how do you say that word? It's just amethyst, but there's I, never they spelled an it yeah. wrong. Okay. I, think it's, I think it's a corruption of amethyst. Yeah, amethyst is how I'd say it. Yeah, maybe it's part of the dialect. Okay, whoever typed this poem did this part wrong. This is all part of the, we're reading it verbatim. This, whole, <laughs> it's, this is all what it says. <laughs> it's all in it, it says, Jim, now you talk here. Yeah. <laughs> all crow nibbling on the amethyst seeds. In between the diamonds, old man Simon crawls about pulling out platinum weeds. Pink pearl berries, all you can carry. Put them in a bushel and haul them into town. Up in the tree, there's opal nuts and gold pears. Hurry quick, grab a stick and shake some down. Take a silver tater, emerald tomato, fresh plump coral melons hanging in reach. Old man Simon, digging in his diamonds, stops and rests and dreams about one real peach. Oh no, I thought old man Simon loved his garden. It turns well, out- maybe he did at first. I don't know. It turns out- None of his, none of his fruit, fruit is food. <laughs> uh, that's a bad garden. It's a surprise poem. It's a, surprise. It's yeah, I was surprised. Yeah, not bad for a kid's poem. Yeah, that's Shel Silverstein. Uh, he's got some. He's got some good stuff. I don't know. I don't know if you heard of him, but 
He's got some books. <laughs> I think we've already done a Shaw Silverstein poem, so we've got, it's like the, the listeners have heard of him. The listeners have heard of him. Yeah, no, I, I read I read Shaw Silverstein as a kid. <laughs> yeah, we're at the phase where we're revisiting it as we're trying to make our children enjoy it, and they're kind of ambivalent. But we're like, hey, this is this is pretty cool. Oh, uh, we we have not. This is our first Shaw Silverstein poem. Is it? Oh, oh. that surprises me. Oh. I searched for Shell, and there's a topic about young Sheldon. <laughs> It's, which is not the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> Did you guys know the inventor of Nun Pizza with Left Beef went on to create Young Sheldon? Really? What? <laughs> I think that Nun Pizza with Left Beef is a more powerful contribution. More powerful legacy. for yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, if I had to choose more one. More important. Yeah. But we're getting off topic. The uh that's the theme. When when you first when you when you read me the name of this poem and I searched for it, what what came up was a Pinterest image with the poem in it, but notably it didn't have any of the line breaks. It was all in one paragraph. Oh, that would be interesting. What? Presumably to make it fit in a square image. <laughs> what? This is something I've talked about before on the show, but like my theory of what a poem is, yeah. is that it's when you do something interesting with line breaks. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you're like E. Cummings or something. But I, yeah. Yeah, well, who's that well, that's poet that did the weird though. things? That was Am I not the right person? But yeah, no, it, like, <laughs> yeah, it's got to have the line breaks. I think we, most of us agree. It's got to have the line breaks. See, for this though, I think that the, it's written well enough with like the meter being strong enough that you could just read it in a paragraph and still get a sense of the, the structure. Yes. Like, I, I mean, I, be done. I imagine you would still kind of know that emerald has three syllables in it because it has to fit that way. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I and I think you're right. I think even if it were presented as a paragraph, you could still see the meter in it. But it's not as good. Although it is more of a poem, arguably. But it's also more of a puzzle. Yeah. Is that something that... <laughs> yeah. Is a poem a puzzle? Is that something... Yeah. Is that something you care about? If it, if it doesn't have any enemies in it, you got to make it interesting somehow. <laughs> <laughs> no combat in my poems. Um, I, you know, I, I agree that poetry is when you do interesting line breaks and things, but part of me just really enjoys just a strong meter. I'm just like a meter yeah. person at heart. Like rhymes, I could take them or leave them, but... But the meter, like, I'm kind of, like, formalist about that, what I enjoy. And that, again, is probably just because, like, that's more what I'm good at writing if I ever try to write things is, like, the meter is the part that, like, makes sense in my brain. Sure. Poetry. Yeah. Because I don't enjoy the poetry that I write. I, I hear that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really hard to make art that you don't like. Yeah. I, I feel like a lot of people are operating in that state where yeah. the, where they they're doing their best to make a good thing and but they still don't think what they made is good even when they have tremendous success mm -hmm. and i don't know how i don't even know how that i don't but understand I heard, how that works right i heard hmm. some i heard some take i think it was like ira glass or some famous talker person who said that like if you're a, a person like you know with his sort of background and ideas your taste is probably better than your skills for a long right. time yeah but I think there's also just an, an element of like, you can be good at a thing that you don't like. <laughs> well, there's certainly that. Yeah. Yeah. Like I I love uh, just like really elaborate ornate sentences that just are, that just go on and on like, like 19th century, like 
inane nonsense that just like the structure and the the alliteration and everything just kind of keeps rolling over you. I'm really good at writing that. I I read somebody else's work and I was like, ew, this is terrible. It's like mine. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> yeah. We're just doomed sometimes. Well, sometimes the process itself is fun and that's why you right. do a thing. Like and that's uh, yeah. Just like it's like writing it's like it's like writing regex. It's really fun and reading regex is really terrible. Right. So <laughs> Oh, the same with programming in general. Yeah, exactly. So so maybe you're just uh doing programmer style poems. Yeah. Really fun to write, terrible to read. Awful. But this poem, I mean I honestly don't know what's going on when I like, it's just a bunch of imagery to me and it's cool imagery and it's cool meter. And it's, and it, uh, I guess it's the, the form of it, uh, and the, and the imagery is distracts me from like, am I supposed to, am I supposed to, am I missing something here? Is there some kind of like plot about the, what he's doing with these things here with the, it's a grocery list. It's a grocery list. (laughs) It's a lavishly produced grocery list. And then, then it's like, and, and then it's the twist where it turns out he doesn't want any of that stuff. Right. The whole, I, I think that's the that's kind of the point of why it's just kind of longer than it needs to be. It's like, look at all of this bullshit. There's so much extravagance. Of it. Yeah. And yet there, I, I think the theme of this is really obvious. And yet there are no annotations on genius.com. That's probably because hmm. it's too obvious. Oh, you should see the <laughs> <laughs> The things people think need to be said. Well, first of all, we need to comment on why is there an extra N in amethyst, but... <laughs> yeah, it could be part of the I dialect. That's my theory. Amethyst seeds. You think it's actually like that in the I, book? No, I don't remember. I don't have the book in front of me. All right, let me let me check that Pinterest post. Oh Today, yeah, is it like that in the Pinterest? Because <laughs> that is the source of truth. Pinterest knows all. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the same, and it's oh. the same on Pinterest. Yeah, see, I think well, it's got to be the I dialect. Say it's the Pinterest. Oh, but but this. Silver Birch Press Word.wordpress.com just says amethyst, mm. which is weird because it has all the apostrophes instead of the ends of words. Mm, weird. Oh, I don't trust this thing. It has no space between rubies and on. They don't know shit about children's poetry. They got to get with the <laughs> Pinterest. Oh, shit. There's a, a, I didn't know about this. There's a competitor to genius.com called songtell.com. Oh, wow. Uh, and here, this has a, um, like an eight paragraph explication of the meaning of the garden. Wow. Oh, okay. Now, is this also a song lyrics website or? No, no lyrics, just the interpretation. But there's a video. Nope. The video is just, I didn't actually look at the, I didn't actually listen to the video because I don't have sound on this machine, but it looks like it's just someone probably, probably an AI voice, honestly, reading the text <laughs> of the, of the page. Cool. Cool. Got to get those, uh, got to get those ad revenue dollars somehow. That's right. Ooh, a short comprehension quiz for kids. Oh boy. Okay, I think oh, we need to take this. Okay, yeah, let's take it. Did we understand? Oh, we have to pay uh, ninety-five cents for it. Oh, no, never mind. Fuck. Someone, one of us needs to make up a quick comprehension. That's how they get you. What was the fruit? Okay, let me get out my wallet. If it, if it were easy to pay, I would drop a drop a dollar on this for sure. But <laughs> but for the, the content, the page isn't even loading. Yeah. No, they don't deserve your money. And they probably want like 95 cents per student or something. Something. It's going to, it's not going to stop there. We all know it's not going to stop there. They'll want your email. They'll want your social security number. (laughs) 
I guess there would be three students in these, uh, but that you count all the listeners as students too, because. Oh my God. I'm on the hook for hundreds of dollars. They could take the quiz at home. <laughs> That's it's true. Yeah. Interactive component. Okay. Children who was nibbling on the amnesthetist seeds. Was it old crow? Was it old man? Simon? Was it emerald tomato? Oh yeah. Okay. I have to register. This is not. No, that's some <laughs> bullshit. Just give me a PayPal link and I'll click it. Making it difficult. Or like or like Venmo. I actually have money in Venmo that I have to sign up to get. Someone sent me money. What? Is that how that works? Uh, I think they sent it to my phone number. And so they like they have in their database that then they get to keep it if they never sign up. In their database, they just have like, yeah, 30 bucks goes to this phone number. If, if they and they then they sent me a text. That's wild. That seems not, yeah, that seems kind of predatory. I mean, I wonder if I can tell that person who sent me that to just take it back. Just tell them to simjack you. <laughs> Solve the problem, yeah. <laughs> you have my permission. You can simjack me. Yes, but I want my phone back afterwards. You can have the 30 bucks. <laughs> Are we ready for another topic? Sure. Yeah. Andrew, your topic is aphantasia, but for audiation. Is that a thing? Okay, yeah. So aphantasia. Are we good looking up white papers? No, we're just wild ass guessing. <laughs> the podcast is gonna solve this question. Yeah. So if so anybody it. has this, then don't, you don't, gotta tell us. You got to tell, tell us. We're waiting in person. We're waiting at the phone lines right now. So do you have a Fantasia? But for audiation, you may be entitled to compensation. Not for me. <laughs> so a Fantasia being for for the listener. Um, apparently, that's the term for when you can't visualize stuff right. in your head. Um, I'm wondering if if the same thing exists, but for for audiation, for for uh, visual not visualizing, audiating stuff in your in your head. So it's like like the the thing that I always think of when people mention audiation is like I can uh, like if it's a movie I've seen a million times, I can hear parts of it in my head. I can hear the lines in my head. Yeah, I could like play back part of it or play back music, maybe music I've heard over and over again in my head. There was a there. We went to like a a party where they were playing like a. Lord of the yes. Rings trivia game or something about the movies. And it was like, fill in the blank in this line. And Andrew and I were both like sitting there, like trying to hear it. Like we could hear the rhythm of the line and we just couldn't quite like make out all the words, you right. know, and it was making us crazy, you know. And yep. I don't hear people talking about this. I don't know if this is like universal experience, a universal thing where like you can just like at some point, like there's no point in watching a movie that you know really well because you almost have deja vu because you already are hearing it right before they say it. Um, I don't know if we're the weird ones or if there are people who have different experiences or if there are people who just like don't hear anything and they just have to like listen to a thing if they want to know what it sounds like. They have to like start over. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I feel like it's probably that there's a bell curve, right? Most mm -hmm. people are in the middle where they're like, they can... They, they can basically hear things and then there's people who are really good at it and there's people who can't do it at all. I did. Is this it? I found the video video title. Did you know some people can't imagine sound <gasps> a Fantasia and an Aurelia. <gasps> an Aurelia. I'm going to Google this to see if this is just a word. This person. That sounds like a name you would see in my daughter's Montessori kindergarten. <laughs> <laughs> An Aurelia, the silent mind. Oh, <laughs> sounds pretty bad. It, the phenomenon of an absence of auditory sensory imagery. Wow, this is this. I'm reading about this, and this sounds so much worse than not being able to see things in your head. 
but that's probably because I can't. Yeah. The donkey test. That's what I hear people saying about aphantasia. If, like the people who have it, they're like, yeah, I mean, doesn't everyone, you know? Right. Yeah. That's you don't the, know what you're missing. Right. And that's the thing about, okay. that's the thing about being a mind or having a mind. Yeah. It's a, inherently a subjective thing. And, and you don't really have access to other people's minds. Right. It, um, what was it? I heard some, somewhere, someone said this, so I didn't come up with it, but I don't know who came up with it. So, but, um, it takes the entirety of your brain to be you. So any <laughs> representation of other people is necessarily going to be simplified because all of your brain is taken up with like running this program. Yes. Yeah. That's a really good way to describe it. If you're trying to emulate another person's experience, it's it's obviously not going a to be a very tiny simulation of it. Yes. Right, right. <laughs> you want to restrict it to what move they're going to do next in Street Fighter. Exactly. <laughs> right. Very important stuff. <laughs> very small, constrained. Uh, yeah. They're not going to do anything too unexpected. Like they're not going to like jump out of the screen and kiss you or something. Probably. There's a Black Mirror episode about that. Oh, <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> I need to not ever watch Black Mirror because it sounds like the the things that people say that sound like Black Mirror episodes and the things that are Black Mirror episodes. It's just like they all sound equally plausible. You mean like that, like like they're not even really science fiction. They're just like well, feel- no. I, I just mean like you could you could tell me that something is a Black Mirror oh, episode or something could be a Black Mirror episode, or you could say like. I see. Yeah, yes. I think there was a Black Mirror episode about that, and like it's it almost all, more fun not it's knowing. It's almost more fun it's not a knowing. Real Black yeah. Mirror. I see what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's what you can do. Uh, if you, if you, well, if you, if this is something that you are interested in, if like, if you don't, if you don't actually want to watch the show, that's fine too. You can just watch every other episode. There you go. Ah! Or just like leave. You could leave one. You could just that would leave be like one. the optimal. Just leave yeah, one. That's and actually maybe a really that's good point. Plausible deniability yeah. for Black Mirror. That's true. Yeah. Black Mirror is just like um, Twilight Zone, right? But now. Uh, right? Yeah, it, it, there's definitely a lineage there. Yeah. Sorry, you were going to say something about the donkey test. And donkey? What's the donkey test? I saw the words, the donkey test, and then I clicked through and then I gave up. It's probably like, okay, imagine the sound of a donkey. What does it sound it, like? You know. Right. Okay. Does it it sounds like, like hee-haw. Good job. Or do you just like picture the words hee-haw written on a page? <laughs> or like the apple test for the aphantasia. So what this, an apple. Th- this person is, yeah, exactly. This person is saying, uh, think of a donkey braying. Do you hear a donkey or do you hear yourself going ee-aw? No, I heard the real donkey. Right. He's in there. He's yeah. The one. If you're like me, then you realize every earworm is also you, as is every drum or guitar solo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. And I, I think this test is is something this person made up. Like it's not hard to make up tests like this. No, as opposed to like a medical community thing. The other thing that I thought was interesting about this idea is that there's also a, a similar, um, and this one is uh, much more evenly split. I think the the kind of people who have an inner monologue and the people who don't, mm-hmm. where like it's kind of fifty fifty. Where like there's some people who just have like a voice in their heads, like commenting on what's happening all the time. I don't have that. That sounds super annoying. Yeah. <laughs> To me too. Yeah. No, I don't have that. And what the worst of all the all the worlds would be like if that's the only thing you can hear in your head. Right. Like you, you can't audiate on purpose, but you but you have this voice. <laughs> well, that's well, the movie yeah. Uh, yeah. Stranger Than Fiction. Yeah. Right? That's, oh dang. Yeah. Isn't yeah. I mean it's a external narrator. It doesn't really make a lot of sense, but <laughs> that's okay. 
And yeah, he pretty much goes crazy. So, <laughs> but then it turns out that it's real. So then it's, he's not crazy. I don't know. Then it was Emma Thompson all along. I, I've seen this movie, but I don't remember any of the things you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's probably okay. And Maggie Gyllenhaal's in it as a very sexy baker. I remember her. Yeah, she's easy to remember. In that That's true. <laughs> and now I'm audiating the soundtrack because I, it was like one of the movies that I just put on sometimes. Sure. Yeah. In a in a period of my life, and I, yeah, I'm bopping to this song. It's like yeah, you seem to be really song. really enjoying <laughs> yeah. it. I know that my brain is capable of of forming images because I can do it like w- while I'm dreaming. Oh right. While I'm falling asleep, I get flashes, but I never have control of them. Yeah, Mm. I'm more like that, too. That was like a technique I read for falling asleep is like try to picture something like really clearly. Oh, it takes like a lot of concentration for for me anyway. Maybe it's easier for other people, but I would like try to sit there. I would like be lying in bed. I would be like trying to picture the thing and like keep it there. And like felt like I was conjuring a spell or something. It's like concentration. Sounds like a form of meditation, maybe. Yeah, but it's also pretty boring. So you fall asleep is the idea. Trying to trigger like a a little phase of sort of hallucinations right before you fall asleep. Like there's like a moment where you start sort of dreaming before you're all the way asleep. That's interesting. Yeah. I I don't know. I read this a long time ago. (laughs) I guess I haven't done any research on this, but I had always assumed that like concentrating really hard on something would be an ineffective way to fall asleep. You have to concentrate on something boring. (laughs) Right. Counting sheep, right? Yeah. I guess so. Yeah. Like breath work, where it's like breathe in for a seven, hold it for four, or whatever it is. Right. Breathe out for six. Just complicated enough. I was just, I was like uh, imagining it as being akin to like just flexing all your muscles. Yeah. <laughs> Which is also something that you can do to fall asleep. It's like right. flex all your muscles <laughs> and then like, weird, but then you it? let them all go. And right. Then you're asleep. Yeah. It works. And just do that over and over again until you're really strong and asleep. Yeah. Yeah. This is something I actually was wondering about like, back when I would take the bus to work every day is like, could I just do my workout here on the bus just by like flexing a muscle in place? And then could I get oh, an isometric rip? contraction, baby? Is that a thing? Well, isometric contractions are just holding still yeah. in a place where your muscles are active. So like, instead of like lifting a barbell to like flex your bicep, you just like hold it up and, or like you hold it out in a way that, you know, you have to have your muscles on. But you're not. Is that what planking is? Yeah, that's like a form of it. But, but yeah, just to like hold still is it can be surprisingly taxing and surprisingly effective. So. Right. But I didn't have enough um, willpower to actually like spend the entire bus ride doing that. So right, it's like <laughs> oh yeah, I could in theory do something hard and tiring, but I'm I'm not. Yep. More fun to make the idea than it is to actually do it. Right. Right. Well, and, and then like presumably at some point someone is gonna invent like electrodes where I can twitch the muscles while I, while I'm asleep. Yeah. Got to get the like jiggler from like the twenties. <laughs> yes. It's like you're moving, your body's moving. This is working. Yeah. It's fitness <laughs> for ladies. What is that thing? Is it like a, a fat jiggling machine? I think it's just jiggling. I don't know. Like it's probably, oh, yeah. Fun. What is it supposed to do? The vibrating belt machine is a device that was promoted to passively reduce body fat through use of an oscillating or vibrating belt around the exercise subject's waist without the act of exercise by the user. Sounds legit. (laughs) And then there's no information on here on Wikipedia about whether it actually worked or not. I I presume 
Oh, okay. No, it fell out of fashion by the 80s when it had become clear they had no fat-reducing benefits. It took that long? It took a long time. Wow. I think I remember seeing like an I Love Lucy with one of those in it. I feel feel like it feels familiar. So I own a weighted hula hoop that is like sort of like has wide ridges on the inside. And it's like it'll massage your guts and make your waist thinner, but also you're hula hooping and you're getting stronger. It's like, I'm not sure how much of that is the hula hoop, like, no, I could be wrong about this. moving against my waist, but yeah, I could be wrong about this, but I think you already have to be fit as like a certain level of fitness to even use a hula hoop. <laughs> right. It's certainly because easier. I've never, you... Like my body is just the wrong shape. Like <laughs> yeah. you have to have hips that come out. Right. Right. I, Am I, I would imagine so. I think it would be much harder if we have this problem. It's hard to find Andrew pants because he's shaped like a funnel. Uh-huh. Like the pants just, just don't, there's nowhere for them to go. Right. Yeah. Nothing to hold on to. It's much easier to have like these, these big old child barren hips. Right. <laughs> They're very yeah. useful. Yeah. Just for, for hula hooping. For hula hooping. And, and, and bearing children. And that too. Super good at that. And by children, I mean all of our beloved hula hoop collection. Yeah. Got to carry those around <laughs> constantly. Uh, and that's all the time we have for Topic Lords. <laughs> on that note. Uh, uh, Brianne, if this is something that you want, where can people find you on the internet? Well, I'm on Mastodon on an instance called Jort's Horse. It's a very good domain name. That's really the reason that I'm there. Yeah. Do you know who runs it? I don't remember her name. I can picture her avatar. That's but fair. I, don't, I don't know. Some internet person. Some internet person. It's just kind of a bunch of millennial shitposting. And then also sure. some people who are like, here's a cool craft I did. And where everybody's like, good job. I don't know anything about bookbinding, but I'm proud of you. So that's, that's cool. I think you're just Aubrey Ann. Is that your news? Yeah, name? it's just yeah. Aubrey Ann. Because it's a unique enough uh, it, name. Well, it's also, you know, it's and not very many users like, on that instance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like a couple dozen people, maybe. I don't know. But yeah, I'll, uh, I'll follow oh, yeah. you back because then I will have more people see on Mastodon. But also I will, I'm looking forward to hanging out with the Topic Lords. Oh yeah. Are you on Discord? Let me send you an invite. I think I made an account a long time ago. I don't know. Wait, if like I a... needed some information from somewhere that was on a Discord and I found it and yeah. it didn't go anywhere. If this is something that you want, you can also join the Topic Lords Discord. Yay. I'm a Lord. <laughs> well, not yet. I, gotta... I will be a Lord. By the time this is live perhaps i will yes all right i I sent uh i sent andrew the link because i don't have your info you don't know where to find me on the internet no i guess (laughs) i could send i could send you the invite to you on jorts jorts horse i don't want everybody from jorts that horse to join though no no you know what everybody on the internet just message andrew just message my husband because it's (laughs) tell aubrey because it's the 50s speaking of andrew this is something that you want. Where can people find you on the internet? Uh, they can go to kittenmaster.neocities.org or I'm also on Mastodon, but the links to the, yeah. can I, the NeoCities page. Can I point out, so the first thing on your on your NeoCities page is that this huge collection of Pico A cartridges you've made. Can I point out just how, how much closer it is to like having made a physical object to be able to export a GIF or, a, or ping rather of a your- p- yeah. Of yeah, your, I love that about. That's software. one of the coolest things about Pico. I could just show a collection like on a shelf. On the like game. I have a, a directory full of images of games that I've made. And it's like, yes. oh, yeah. it's these like, are the games that these little PNGs. I, I don't have a shelf full of my cartridges, <laughs> but I do have a directory full of images. And it sort of feels like it counts. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. It's almost like owning something. Yeah. And and I feel that way, even though I actually do have a boxed game that I like, I I did have uh, get published a boxed game that I made. Nice. (laughs) I wanted to, I I had an idea and then I didn't follow up on it at all um, because I don't know, ADHD, but I wanted to get like a boxed version of, of your games made for you for a Christmas present. Oh, that would be incredible. we also were trying to figure out, like, how do you make people play your games when we don't know how to do that? So I was like, maybe we could put it on a floppy disk, and like <laughs> put up a poster on like a, a street sign somewhere. That's the thing. You could actually fit like a lot of Pico 8 cartridges on a floppy disk. But if you found like a, if you saw like a, a like a, just an eight by a, eight, eight and a half by 11 sheet that was like a little poster that was like, here's a game you could play made by someone in this neighborhood. And here's a floppy disk. <laughs> would you yeah. take it? <laughs> I mean, I would assume that it was um, some like micro, microtransaction pump game. Like, <laughs> but on a floppy disk. <laughs> that's, I mean, maybe. So here's, here's my, here's my theory. You need to like build an arcade cabinet, put Pizza Panda in it. Yeah. Get it all decorated as as um as you would yeah, with like side art and and, and whatever yeah. you call the 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 thing that has like the plexiglass that's lit up from behind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So that's step one. And then you convince like a local business owner that they should put this in their business. Yeah, yeah. like the pizza place. Yeah, and like it doesn't even. No, you have, have to, to be... sneak it. You have to break into an arcade, a barcade. <laughs> yes. The, well, not in the middle with, of the night because they're open, but you'd have to break in in the middle of the day. Right, with Pizza Panda in your back pocket. Yeah. And then, like, you push two 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 games to the side, and you stick <laughs> it in between. In between, no one will notice. It's the perfect crime. <laughs> uh, thanks so much for being on the show. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, it's a good time. Hi, this is Jim. This is the audio I append to every episode of Topic Lords. Congratulations to our newly anointed lords. This episode was edited by Esper Quinn, who can also edit your episode if you contact them on Twitter. If you'd like more people to hear the show, you can tell your friends about it, or rate and review us on whatever podcast service you use. You can add content to the Topic Bucket by emailing topicbucket at topiclords.com, and you can contribute to our Patreon at patreon.com slash topiclords. Patrons get episodes a week early, and you get access to the Topic Lords Discord, where you can discuss topics with all the lords that hang out in there. See you next episode!